My mic's on. Okay. Well, a good thing I got a loud voice. All right. Then how many of you are excited about a rise? I'm excited. A rise starts October 16th through the 19th, every night at 7 p.m., and then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we will have a 10 o'clock to noon session if you'd like to come. We will be having food those nights, so that'll be missions food. So we have a good menu picked out. So uh, we got baked potato bar, and we've got, let's see, the youth are doing hamburgers on Wednesday, and I forgot the rest of it without looking, but, you know. But it's good because I was part of picking it. So don't forget to look at your church app bulletin for all these upcoming events and things. If you don't have the church app, it's real easy to download. Just go to Church Center on the uh, webpage or on uh, your app store, and you can get the information there and download it. So, so we're going to take up the offering. Thank you, Wade. I was waiting on that. So the offering bucket is in the back tonight. And, um, you know, I want to just share a little bit. Um, the last time I got up here was two weeks ago on Wednesday, and I shared about uh, doing a seminar online that we're doing in the Philippines, and we are raising $1,500. Well, I checked with the office today, and guess what? We got our $1,500. So your giving goes to help. You're going to influence or help over 150 pastors, and it's going to be a special day for them and this is opening up more and more doors for us to minister there and in other countries. We'll be trying to set up the same in India and I think over in Albania and different places like that. So this is something that's good ground and it's going to be a good thing for these people. Because, you know, the way the world is today, it's hard to travel. So... With that, I want to tell you a few ways to give. You can always give at lake-church.com. You can give by the envelopes in the seat back, the good old faithful envelopes. You can text to give. The information is on the seat back with the envelopes there. And you can give with the Church Center app. And that's my favorite way to give because you set it up one time, you hit the button with the amount, Boom, it's done. So let's pray and we'll get on with it. Father God, I thank you for all the people here tonight. I thank you for your word that's going to go forth. Lord, we just ask that you bless the giver and we thank you because we know you bless the gift. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And let's welcome Jesse Lindley. Just kidding, I was teasing Bob there, <laughs> acting like my mic wasn't on. How are you guys this evening? Good evening, Lake Church. How are you? It's so lovely to see you. you guys look so beautiful tonight. 
Praise the Lord. <laughs> so I just want to start off by saying that it's a, it's a tremendous honor for me to be up here in the pulpit. Um, this is holy ground up here. I just want to extend a happy anniversary to Pastor Greg, and I like to call her Pastor Greg and Mama Karen. And so I hold it as one of the highest honors in my life to be able to stand in this pulpit and to minister. I'm so grateful for what God has done in my life and the life of my family. Through this ministry, I'm so grateful that I can call Pastor Greg and Karen my pastors I'm so grateful for having any part in any way to do with what God is doing here through Lake Church and through Train Bible College and all the different ministries that are represented through this house. I'm so grateful to just be a son of this house. I'm grateful that uh, God is faithful to his word and every time I approach him here in faith in this house that he delivers every time. Amen. So uh, I was thinking about it before I got up here is... uh, I, I uh, was teaching the third-year students last year, the third-year students uh, at Train Bible College, and what they're doing is focusing on ministry training, specifically ministry. They feel called to the fivefold. And so we were, doing, uh, we were having an exercise on how to get into the Spirit, how to get out of our flesh and how to get into the Spirit of God and to uh, be able to move in the supernatural and to see the gifts of the Spirit flow. And so I had direction from God on how to do that that evening, but he told me, don't, give, don't, keep your, don't tip your cards just yet. Present a challenge to the students, and we'll get started, and then he said, I'll take it from there. So what I said was, let's get into the Spirit, and I didn't really give them much more explanation than that. I said, let's get into the Spirit, let's start praying in tongues, let's start stirring ourselves up so that we can open the doorway for the Holy Spirit to start demonstrating Jorge was there, to start demonstrating in power. The Bible says that it's available to all those who believe and are baptized in the Holy Spirit, that God has ordained that each and every one of us operate in at least one gift of the Spirit. Amen? Oh, that's a good opportunity for more amens than that. So God has ordained that we, each one of us, if we're born again and uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, that each one of us operate in at least one gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. That's a little bit better. I can tell there's room to teach tonight. So anyway, so we started praying in tongues, and then I could just tell. I was looking around, and and as I was watching the students try to enter into the Spirit, I, I, I could see what God was doing. And so there was an effort being made. There was an effort to pray in tongues harder. There was an effort to close our, their minds to the, the distractions of the day and the cares of this world. And there was effort being made into, I'm going to get into the Spirit. You could just see it. But what was happening was, it was an effort being made of their own strength. And so I said, all right, let's, let's time out. Let's instead... Let's start to focus on just the greatness of God. Let's just start to confess out loud just the, mag- the majesty, the greatness of God, just His eternal nature, His endless power, His, Him being all-knowing, just endlessly good. His mercies endure forever. God is good, and we just started to focus on God and to confess. And what you're doing when you do that, I don't know if you guys realize that, but you're prophesying. 
We want to complicate and make prophecy some big thing that only the prophets can do. But what's prophecy for? It's to edify and to build up and to encourage, right? So anytime you're speaking the Word of God and anytime you're magnifying God and anytime you're speaking the truth of who God is, you're prophesying. So you start to prophesy and you are automatically in the Spirit. You cannot prophesy and say Jesus is Lord unless it's by the Spirit of God. Isn't that right? Scripture tells us that. So we're prophesying to one another, and we're confessing, and we're elevating, and we are uh, uh, making God great in our own imagination. You know what I'm saying? Is In our own uh, atmosphere there that we're enjoying in class, we started to elevate and magnify God, and guess what happened? Nobody wants to guess? He showed up. And the gifts of the Spirit started to manifest, and so there were, it wasn't just simple gift of prophecy where we were proclaiming the goodness of God to build each other up, to edify each other, and to encourage one another, but it, trans, it, uh, it what's the, transitioned into manifestations of supernatural Holy Spirit gifts. We started, it was words of prophecy then, it was re- revealed word directly from the Spirit of God. It was uh, words of knowledge. It was words of wisdom. It was interpretation of inner visions. It was, it was incredible. It was one of the most impacting times we've ever had in that type of setting where uh, we were intentionally learning how to flow in the Holy Ghost. And so what I want to do tonight, I was sitting there in the chair and I was like, well, Lord, how do you want me to open this up? And it was very clear. He said, do what you did in class. And so I think that uh, a lot of times we get here on Wednesday night and it's, we're in the middle of the work week and we're trying to shake off work. And we're trying to tr- uh, shake off the cares of the world and we're trying to shake off distractions of this life and we're trying to make an effort to tune in. Right? Am I the only one? Can we be transparent with each other? Let's be real tonight. Is we're trying to make an effort to tune in, so to speak. We're trying to, we're trying to faith. Am I Right? So what I want us to do is I want us to all stand together. Yeah, after you got all comfy, got all your stuff all spread out, got your Bible in your lap. We're going to take some time to get past ourselves. We've got to get over ourselves. And we're going to get into the Spirit. And the way that we do that is to magnify God. We're going to start to prophesy. And we're going to start to speak about the goodness of God. Amen. You guys ready for that? If not, you guys can just watch and we'll do it. Amen? So those of you that are interested in joining in with me in the goodness of God and receiving directly from the hand of God through impartation from the Holy Spirit, let's start to magnify God. Hallelujah. Father, we just want to lift you up. We just want to glorify you tonight, Father. We just want to testify of your greatness. We just want to magnify your name, Jesus. We just want to elevate you in this place, Father. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your goodness and for your mercy and for your kindness and your long-suffering. You're so patient with us. You're so, you're so good to us, Father. Thank you so much just for this, this house to worship in, Father. Thank you for the foundation that you've laid to make all of this possible, Father. Lord, we just give you praise and honor for all the testimonies that are represented here in this place and also those that are watching online. Lord, we just want to give you praise for everything that you've done. We want to magnify, make your name great, Father. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just thank you right now for revelation. We thank you for flooding our spirits with light. We thank you for making a way for us to appropriate and to internalize and to walk in the truths that are contained in Scripture. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your anointing to speak and to receive from you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Blessing and honor. And glory to the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, worthy to receive honor and glory and power and blessings forever and forever and forever. Father, we cast our crowns down at your feet tonight. We are fully submitted. We are fully engaged. We are thirsty. We are hungry. Father, we worship you. We lay down self. We submit ego. We die to self, Father, so that we can live in Christ. We embrace the truth that our life is hidden in Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that even now the Holy Spirit is bringing things to your remembrance of how great God has been in your life. I think that there are, in, there are specific times in your life that, you're, that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your remembrance. God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Even in my moments of weakness, you, you make me strong, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, that you've been faithful in my life. You're continuing to be faithful. And, Father, I am convinced that you are faithful from forever and forever. Great are you, God. 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 Hallelujah. Father, we're so grateful for this opportunity to fellowship with you. We're so grateful, we're, we're in awe that you would make it possible and that it's your heart's desire that you know us, your creation. Father, it's so amazing, it's so incredible that you want to know us. Father, we love you because you first loved us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for making that real in our hearts. Thank you that we experience that daily, that we're consistently reminded that God loved me so much. He loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. And Lord, as we approach your word, Father, we treat this as an act of worship. We lay down previously held tradition or vain philosophies. We submit what we have learned for what you would like to impart. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, if it's something that we've wrestled with or we've held a previous an idea and it's wrong, we submit ourselves to correction. We are open to receive. Holy Spirit, I thank you for revelation, truth, wisdom. We thank you that the result is peace. The result is grace. The result is joy. The result is strength. The result is long-suffering. The result is confident assurance. The result is faith rising. The result is walking in what you have for us to walk in. We seek you for you, Father. We seek you for you. We seek you for you. Great are you, God. Great are you, God. Great are you, God. And, Father, we approach you because you are good. That's our only desire, to know you, Father, because you are good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for your anointing tonight. I thank you that as we look at your holy scriptures... I thank you for unction that I'm able to speak by divine utterance only. I thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit, as I open my mouth, you fill it with the words. And, Father, I embrace my calling as an oracle of God, the mouthpiece of God tonight, Father. I lay aside my own self-doubt. I lay aside my own uh, um perception of how worthy or unworthy I am. But instead, Father, I embrace, I humble myself as a servant of the Almighty. A servant of the Most High. I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing that, res that resides and rests and abides on this crowd tonight, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Hooey. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You guys can be seated. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to continue what pastor's been teaching on the blessed hope. Amen. You guys been enjoying that teaching? Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to get into uh, some of the things that God has revealed unto him because God's ordained that he communicate those things. But instead, I'm going to talk about tonight the resurrection itself. Amen. Nobody likes that? That's all right. It's all right. The resurrection itself is part of the blessed hope. Amen. That's, that's the rapture. 
The rapture is what we've been talking about. The blessed hope is that Jesus is coming back. Amen? Man, I'm looking for a shout. The blessed hope is that Jesus is coming back. Amen? That none of this is forever. None of this is forever. I said none of this is forever. But Jesus is coming back. We're the body of Christ right now. We're the hands and feet. We're carrying out the plan of God. Praise the Lord. He's got, I mean, just think about the vote of confidence that it is that we are ordained, that the plan from eternity past is that we be the body of Christ, that God has made it sovereignly. He made it to where he had to express himself in the earth through mankind. God put that limit on himself. He chose it. You know why? Because it was the only way. God is infinitely wise, and in his infinite wisdom, he sovereignly chose to express himself through mankind in the earth. And that is our purpose here, to be the body of Christ. Now, when Christ returns, then we're changed into the bride of Christ. I'll just let that one hover out there. We go from the body of Christ, the hands and feet, to carrying out the mission of the church, the ecclesia, the called out and separated ones, the legislative assembly, the, the, the body of Christ. We complete him that completes us, and God ordained it be that way. You talk about a vote of confidence. You need to stop talking to yourself the way that you talk to yourself. You need to humble yourself before the Lord and take upon yourself his mantle. You are anointed by God. You are full of the Holy Ghost and full of power. It's time that we start looking at ourselves that way. It's time that we start believing that about ourselves. It's time that we start embracing that that way has been made and the truth is now. The truth is now. The truth is now. That now we are the called out ones. Now we are here to to carry out the plan of God. Amen. So encourage yourselves. Every task has purpose. And that purpose is to glorify God. And that purpose is to further the kingdom of God. And that purpose is to bring people that are far from God close to God so that they'll pass from death unto life. That's our purpose. We're co-laborers with God. Amen? We've been given that ministry of reconciliation. I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. Once I get over me, once I get over me, that's exciting. Amen. So the culmination, the climax to the story is once that mission has been carried out, Jesus comes back and we're not the body anymore. Now we're the bride. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. And then we live eternally as groom and bride with Jesus Christ himself. Eternally joined together with Jesus himself. Man, (laughs) praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I better get to my message. Praise God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're talking about the rapture, the blessed hope. We're going to look at verse 13, and this is Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica who were concerned they thought they'd miss the rapture. You know why? Because people were telling them that. 
Last night we were in, in, in Bible school, we were talking about 2 Peter, and the whole uh, overview, the whole theme of 2 Peter is overcoming false truth with truth, truth. Learning to recognize false teachers and embracing the truth. The dangers in just being swept along by whatever anybody tells you. And I made this statement is that if you do not go home and investigate the claims about your eternity that come forth from the pulpit, if you don't go home and investigate that for yourself, you are not convinced that there is an eternity. I'll let you chew on that. So we're talking about the rapture. I've said that already. Verse 13 of chapter 4. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, meaning I want you, you need to know this. This is important information is what he's saying. Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. What he's saying in the King James, it says prevent. What he's saying is we won't go before those who have already gone on. And what he's, he's talking about people that have died, people that were born again, but they've died before us. He said that we will, know, we will not go before them. We not, will not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Hallelujah. Now, there's a difference between the appearing of the Lord and the coming of the Lord. We're talking about the appearing of the Lord. When Jesus appears and we are raptured, that's the appearing of the Lord. Later, Jesus sets his feet on the Mount of Olives. That's the coming of the Lord. And that initiates the millennial reign where we rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Amen? So this is talking about the appearing of the Lord. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall raise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So what he's saying is when the rapture happens, which is initiated by the appearing of Jesus, the trumpet sounds, the shout of the archangel, we can hear it, Jesus appears. And the last time I was with you, we talked about it's, this, it's physically seeing Jesus that triggers this change that he's talking about. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now in this you got to understand that the church at Corinth was pretty easily the most carnal church in all of, uh, all of the Bible. And so the things that are in Corinthians are really pretty, uh, they run in line pretty parallel with what's contained in Ephesians and Colossians. It's really the same material, except that he has to dumb it way down. Basically, what he's doing is he's getting down to the ABCs because these people are so carnal, they're actively resisting. They don't want it. They're fighting against it. And so in this uh, context, 
the church at Corinth, they're, you know, they're fans of Plato and Socrates and all these great philosophers. And so their idea, their, their reckoning was that, and their beliefs, their deeply held convictions, this is what they held to be true, non-negotiables. You understand what I'm saying? This is it. Is that the body is endlessly wicked and therefore despicable and despisable. And so instead, the soul, the mind is beautiful. And so what they wanted to do was elevate minds so that once we shed this body, then our minds, our inner man, our soul can cross the river Styx and and spend eternity in the Elysian fields, which they considered uh, paradise. So what was happening is once Paul presented the idea of a resurrection and a new body, they were repulsed by that. They're like, I don't want another, ugh. So that's the scene when Paul starts chapter 15 and starts talking about the resurrection. You guys need to understand, I hope, hopefully that you do, hopefully this is just a review for you, but if not, we need to understand that the resurrection is the most important part of the gospel. The cross is important. The cross is what took my sins and your sins and, and took them away from us. The blood is what washed us clean. The cross is what made forgiveness available. But the most important part of the gospel is the resurrection. Isn't it interesting that we spend, I mean, you look at, uh, especially in America, you start looking at the holidays and Christmas is celebrated. The birth of Christ. No, I'm not, no, no, wait a minute, Jesse. No, wait a minute. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying, look how long we celebrate Christmas. I mean, a lot of times we're looking at, we got a month off between school semesters and all that. I mean, we make a big deal out of Christmas. As soon as Halloween, or not Halloween, yeah, Halloween is over. We're looking at Christmas decorations, which is endlessly annoying to me. That's just my thing. I don't care for Christmas music, so the day of, that's about all I can tolerate. Anyway, (laughs) I digress. My wife calls me a Scrooge because I just can't handle Christmas music. But anyway, my point is we spend so much time celebrating Christmas and we give one day to Easter. The resurrection The resurrection is the most important part of the gospel. If there was no resurrection, then there would be no eternal life. Isn't that what we're preaching? Isn't that what we're trying to present? Isn't that salvation? Isn't salvation? Isn't that eternal life? Isn't that passing from life to death? If that's what we're proclaiming, then doesn't the resurrection, doesn't it make that the most important piece in the puzzle? So that's why Paul is preaching this. In chapter 15, moreover, brethren, verse 1, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved. It's the resurrection. It's the gospel is how you're saved. The cross is how you're forgiven. Is the resurrection how you're saved. Amen? By which also you're saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He died for our sins. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to Scriptures. And that he was seen. And it goes on to talk about all the people that seen him, that saw him. Um, And then, let's see, skip down to 
Verse 12, Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection? But if there be no resurrection from the dead, then Christ is not risen. So you're wrestling with the idea of resurrection at all being possible. Well, if that's the case, then that means Jesus did not rise from the dead. Isn't that the basis of our salvation? We confess Jesus as Lord. We believe in our hearts that he died in our place and that he was the Son of God and he was raised from the grave. For the, with the heart man believes and with the mouth confesses unto salvation. Amen? Amen. By faith are we saved. By grace we're saved through faith. Isn't that right? So if there is no resurrection, that means Jesus did not raise from the dead. And if Christ not be risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. If there's no resurrection, that means Jesus did not raise from the grave. That means we're wasting our time. That means that what John Lennon said, that religion is the opiate of the masses, that means that's true. It means it's all empty. It means it's all vanity. It's all worthless, and we're all wasting our time. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be wasting my time. Amen? Amen. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God and that, that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up, if so be the dead not rise. That's a little wordy for King James. But you say, but basically saying that makes God a liar. For if the dead rise not, then Christ is not raised. And if Christ not be raised, your faith is in vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. That means that's the end. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. That's what differentiates us from the world is that we believe in the resurrection. Because if you don't believe in the resurrection, how miserable are we? That's why the world feels that we're so deluded because they don't believe in the resurrection. I'm telling you, the resurrection is the most important part of the gospel. Amen? But it gets good. It gets better. I'm not going to be heavy the whole time. Hallelujah. Verse 20, but now, but now is Christ risen. He said, forget all that. I'm telling you, Christ is risen. Christ is risen from the dead. You know why? To become the first fruit of them that sleep. There had to be the first. Jesus made the way. Jesus' resurrection made the way for us to be resurrected. We say this over and over and over again, and if you're watching online, it's still true whether you agree with it or not. It's still true. Jesus died as a man and was resurrected as a man, making it possible for us as men and women to be resurrected. If there was not a man that made the way, it would, be, it would not be possible for us. Jesus died for our sins, but in Romans 4.25, he said he was crucified because of our transgressions, but he was resurrected because of our justification. The resurrection is proof that we're righteous. 
Hallelujah. For now Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Hallelujah. So look over. We're going to start in verse, um, let's say 50. That looks good. Same chapter, look at verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. There's a reason that we must... About to get ahead of myself. We cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. We cannot go the way that we are. Behold, I show you a mystery... We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In, the, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So what he's saying is the same thing that he was presenting to the church at Thessalonica, is that the resurrection is triggered by the appearing of Christ, and we are changed by it. So this idea that when the rapture comes, everything it's like when Thanos snapped in half, you know, everyone blinked out, the blip. That's not what happens. All of the movies that depict airplanes crashing and the freeways just being jammed with cars because all of a sudden there's no one driving them and all that stuff, and, and people, that's not what happens. We don't vanish. We're changed were changed. First we see that the dead are resurrected. The people that sleep, they're resurrected and then they're changed. They have to put on incorruptible. They have to shed this body that has the curse of sin and death in it. They have to put off what is earthly and put on what is heavenly. They're resurrected. They're raised from the dead. They are changed and then they're caught up. So the resurrected changed, and they will rise. So they start the rapture. They go first. Second, those that remain, that's us, that's me and you. If we haven't died yet before Jesus returns, then we will be instantly changed in the twinkling of an eye. And if you look that up in the Greek, that means it's so fast, you cannot measure it. It's so incredibly fast, it defies physics, literally, because you're being changed into something that is not physical. Amen. So this is the rapture, and it will be witnessed. We will ascend into the clouds in the same way that Jesus did. We will have the same resurrection and ascension that the Son of God did, because a man had to do it so that we could do it. Amen? In Genesis chapter 5, we can see that Enoch... Walked with the Lord is what it says in the King James, but if you study that in the Hebrew, it means that he pleased the Lord and he was taken. And even if you study the historians, Josephus was not born again, but he was an ancient uh, uh, Jewish historian. He even records the, records the event. Moses wrote the book. How do we know Enoch was translated and was no more? Somebody saw it. Somebody had to see it. 
All right, you want some more? All right, Elijah. What happened to Elijah? When Elisha was there, he watched Elijah be caught up in the whirlwind. Isn't that right? And the mantle fell down from heaven, and Elisha caught the mantle, tore his clothes, representative of taking off the old mantle and putting on the new. Isn't that right? Elijah. There was a witness to the ascension of Elijah. All right, you want some more? Let's look at Acts chapter 1. Hold your finger there in 1 Corinthians. Acts chapter 1. Glory to God. Acts chapter 1. Verse 2. Until the, let's start in verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. The key word is there, he was taken up. Look at verse 9. And then, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were looking up, amazed that they just watched him ascend into the clouds, that's when the angels said, what are you guys looking at? Jesus' ascension was witnessed. Amen? So, when the dead rise first, and they're changed, and they ascend into the clouds to join Jesus in the air, we will be changed if we haven't already died. We will be instantly changed into our glorified body, and we will ascend in the same way that Christ does, so that people can see it. We will not disappear. We will be changed in front of everyone's eyes, and we will ascend into heaven. That will convince a lot of naysayers, oh, snap, it's real. It's too late for them for the rapture, but praise God for his endless mercy that he still, <laughs> that he still, they still have another chance. They probably won't survive, most likely, the rapture because it will, I mean, the Armageddon because it will be so terrible, but at least they'll get a chance to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Isn't that right? So what is it that they see? What will people see? Look at first, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What is it that they'll see? This is where it starts getting good. Amen. So, in verse 20, But now Christ has risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. That's the rapture first. Then the end. Amen? So, um, let's see. Where do I want to go from here now? Let's see. Verse 35, but some men will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? You fool, that which you sow is not quickened, except it died. You cannot make something alive. You cannot bring something to life without sowing it. Verse 37, and that which you had sowed, you sowed not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may by chance be wheat or some other grain. So it gives the word picture of unless you sow something in the ground, and he's talking about burying loved ones. But he's giving the illustration of a seed. The seed that is buried is not 
the body that is resurrected. Amen? Think of an acorn. That acorn is an oak tree in seed form. You have to sow it so that it can die in order to bring forth the body that is in it. So this body is sown not to, to be resurrected in this form again, but instead will be changed. He said, uh, that which you sow, you'll sow not the body that shall be. This is not how we end up. This is temporary. Praise God. But God gives it a body as it has pleased him and to every seed his own body. Praise the Lord. So verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It's sown in corruption. You sow the seed not as it will be, as it is now. You sow it as it is, but it won't be what it is now. It'll be raised in incorruption. Amen. It's sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised to power. It's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, I'm going to take verse 1. I'm going to break it down for you because there is an insane. Um, Paul is, is really laying some stuff down right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know. Now, he's talking about the inherent knowledge that we acquire once we are children of God. The the Those that are lost and dying don't know this. They're not convinced of it. They don't embrace this as truth. But he's talking to people that are born again, people that have acquired this inherent knowledge because the Bible says that he that is born again is made one spirit with God. So we're joined together in the spirit with God. That means he communicates directly with us by his Holy Spirit. Amen? So for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle... Now, what he's saying is the house of this tent in the Greek. So he's painting the picture that this body is temporary. And if you look at a tent compared to your house, hopefully your house is far superior to your tent. Amen? No tent campers in here. Well, just imagine with me, if you will. A tent being the epitome of a temporary dwelling. It's so that you can pick up and move on at any time. That means this is not permanent. Amen? So the earthly house of this tabernacle was dissolved. That word dissolved is in Greek, it's kataluthe. And what that means is to be taken apart or loosed. So what he's saying is there's three parts to the human being. There's spirit, soul, body. We're triune, just like God, where we have three parts, one unified person. And so we know that death does not mean cessation of existence, but it means a separation of spirit from body. So this is what he's saying right here, is that if this temporary dwelling, if this nomadic shack is dismantled or loosed, and that word loosed 
dissolved is in the passive tense, meaning it's God is the one who does it. God is the one that separates spirit from body. We have a building of God. And that word building is the word oikodome. And that is, speaks of something that is currently being built. Sometimes we look at a building, but it's already built. What this is saying is it is an uh, active job site. Is that it's a building it's currently being built, currently being constructed. God is forming your spiritual body as we speak right now. And it uses the word God, but there's no definitive article. So it doesn't mean God the Father is talking about the Trinity. So all three members of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are currently building you a spiritual body. So that also means if it's being built right now, he's not using any of these old parts. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. A house not made with hands. Now, he's talking about house. He switches gears here. He's referring to a house that is permanent. Not made by hands. So, the house, he says, is completed, identifiable, but not the same. If you think about when they saw Jesus resurrected in his glorified body, they recognized Jesus, but not at first. Not until he started to open the scriptures and like, oh, 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 it's Jesus. So then they're like, oh, oh, and then they recognized him. So it's recognizable, but not the same. So you think about what does our glorified body look like? Well, Jesus could eat. He didn't need to, but he did. He was seen of all these people when he was first resurrected all over the place. So that means you can travel without taking any time to do so. You can think yourself from A to B. You can pass through solid objects. You don't need to sleep because there's no fatigue. You don't even need to breathe. Anything that this body needs, you will no longer need. You won't need it. You'll be recognizable, but you will be glorified just like that oak, the uh, acorn is an oak tree, according to what's on the inside of it. So once that acorn is sown and dies, what comes forth, it's the mighty oak tree. Recognizable, but not the same. That's the picture that's being painted. When we're resurrected and we receive our glorified body, we'll be able to recognize each other, but glory to God, we will not be the same. Hallelujah. I just can just imagine myself looking like Chris, Chris Hemsworth, you know, shaped like a V from the shoulders down. You know what I'm talking about? That's what I'm going to look like. Long, long blonde hair. <laughs> Amen. The mighty man of God that is on the inside will be revealed, hallelujah, upon the coming of the Lord, and I am changed into the image of Christ. I will, you will see the mighty man of God that has been on the inside the whole time. I will see the mighty man of God that has been in you the whole time, and then you'll see it too. I will see the mighty men and women of God that have been inside of you the whole time, and now you'll see it too. The Bible says in 1 John that when we see him as he is, then we'll see as we're seen. Recognizable, but not the same. Glory to God. I, th I think that's a blessed hope. Hallelujah, the blessed assurance. That brings me great joy to think about what's coming.
Amen? Amen. So in the same way that the word saved, it's in the perfect tense. We don't have a lot of perfect tense in the English language. But sozo, being saved, means we've been rescued from peril. We've passed from death unto life. We're being saved, meaning our mind is being renewed. And we go from glory to glory. We're being transferred and transformed in our minds into the image of Christ. And it will culminate. It will pinnacle. It will crescendo. It will end with us taking on physically the image of Jesus Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Not made by hands. That's the word. Forgive me. I'm going to butcher this. Akeropoyotone. That's all you get. So that means that our first body is physically produced. Our second body is supernaturally produced. When he goes on to say, not made with hands, Adam being a man was formed, uh, and then as the lineage progressed, his descendants were made of physical means. Jesus was a life-giving spirit after he was resurrected, so his body was made in heaven. Physical means had nothing to do with Jesus' new temple. That means that our body, our new house, our new home, our new glorified body is not made by physical means at all. It's made with no human involvement whatsoever. So then we get to eternal in the heavens. So not only will will we be supernatural, we will be eternal. We will be eternal. Eternal. This will never come to an end. Praise God. This is it. This is the final destination. We exist in this glorified body, untouched by age or disease or anything that's in this natural world forever. We're eternal in the heavens. So that word eternal is the is aeonium. And that is characterized by what characterizes God Himself. So it gives the picture of God is eternal and we're eternal in the same way. Not just existing forever, but eternally glorified in the same way Jesus is eternally glorified. Come on, guys. Nobody likes this. Praise the Lord. So you want to compare that to eternal life, which we have now in Christ Jesus. It's the same word eternal, meaning we live life the way God lives, eternal life. Aeonion Zoe, eternal life. Life as God has it right now here in this earth. Life eternal. But he's talking about our eternal home, meaning in heaven. Eternal uh, is always in reference to time. In contrast to temporal, look over at, uh, oh man, where am I? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 Uh, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporal. This natural realm is temporary. Praise God. But the things that which are not seen are eternal. They will last forever. So it says in uh, chapter 5, verse 1, eternal in the heavens. In the heavens being, we talked about it's being constructed in heaven as we speak, 
by all three members of the Godhead currently out of all brand new parts. And then it means that that body will meet us. It will come to join us. Our spirit will join with that new body. Just like when God formed Adam of the dust of the earth and he breathed spirit life into that body, that body and the spirit joined together. It's the same thing. When we receive our glorified body, our spirit will inhabit this new glorified body. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So, now he goes on to say, in, um, let's see, verse 5, Now he that has wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also has given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. And my Bible has the word Spirit capitalized. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1. Praise the Lord. Not only is this blessed hope for what is to come, it is also the picture of what is true of us spiritually now. Ephesians chapter 1, um, verse 13. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, meaning it's eternal. Your salvation will not end unless you renounce it, but that's a whole different sermon, a whole different lesson for another time. We are preserved against any attack from the enemy. We cannot be touched by sin at all. We are perfect as Jesus is perfect in our spirit. We are right, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are as holy as Jesus Christ is in our spirit. And it will remain that way for eternity. And we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Ghost is the one that causes us to be hidden in Christ, impenetrable, into untouchable, unending. And it goes on to say that it's the earnest, it's the down payment, it's a taste. Glory to God. In Romans chapter 5, it talks about that death entered because of sin. So we know that sickness and disease is a taste of death. It's death to a lesser degree. Amen? Amen. If, that, if you hadn't heard that before, write that down. It's true. Death, I mean, sickness is a taste of death. It's death to a lesser degree. So there would be no sickness if there was no sin. Isn't that right? No, you're saying all the kids in St. Jude's Hospital, are, that's why they're sick? No, 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 no. The sin nature that is in the world brought sin into the world, and that's why they suffer, is because we have an enemy that wants to steal and kill and destroy, and his avenue is through the sin nature. We must communicate and minister the gospel that they can be passed from death unto life. So, which brings me to the point, is that sickness is a taste of death, and we've all experienced sickness. Come on now, right? We've all had a little taste of death. Health. Divine health. I'm not talking about healing. I'm talking about divine health. Now, healing is to point toward what's available. Divine health, because of the Holy Spirit, we're sealed and impenetrable. Sin cannot enter unless we allow it. Health. Divine health is a taste of eternal life.
Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Why is healing the dinner bowl of the gospel? Is when you receive, when someone that does not know God receives healing in their body, they are alerted and made aware of what's available to their spirit, eternal life. That's why Christians wrestle with healing in their bodies because they don't realize what is available to their bodies because of what is true in their spirit. So once you see what's available to your body, which is the container, which has to submit to the driver, the captain, the spirit man, provided you make a conscious decision to allow your spirit man to be in the driver's seat, what's true of your spirit and is eternal will be manifest in your body. Once you get this revelation that eternal life is now in this body, you will experience health in your body. And that's just the down payment of what is to come in our glorified body. Divine health is available now as a taste of what will culminate when Jesus returns. So when we embrace healing and we walk in healing and we minister healing and we pray for the sick and they recover and the oppressed are delivered, that's a taste of what is available eternally. That's the blessed hope. We know that Christ will appear and we will be changed and we'll be raised to join him in the air. That's the future. But right now, we enjoy and can walk in divine health as a down payment of what is to come. We don't have to wait for the resurrection. We don't have to wait for our glorified bodies. We can embrace what is true now and walk in divine health now because it's the down payment. It's the earnest money. It's the promise that God will complete what he said he would do. (laughs) Glory to God. That's why it is written, oh, death, where is your sting? Death is swallowed up in victory. The sting of death is sickness. The sting of death is sin. Right? Sin's made strong by the law, but the law's been fulfilled. So, oh, death, where is your sting? There's no sin. There's no taste of death. You understand what I'm saying to you? See this. See this. Holy Spirit, impart unto us the truth. Thank you that you're revealing this to us. Thank you that you are flooding us with light. Thank you that we are consumed with the truth. Thank you that we walk in the truth that is not just true, but it's truth. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That it's not your desire that we alone walk in this, but you, you, it's not your will that any perish but that all should come to everlasting life. God's will is that everyone, everyone, everyone experiences this change. We've been brought to life so that we can bring others to life. Glory to God, Christ in us is a life-giving spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The rapture is good news, but we can walk in the truth of what's coming right now. Amen. Amen. So I've gone a little bit over on my time. I apologize for that, but I can't help it. I get a little fired up. We're going to have ministers that are going to come forward, and they would love to pray with you. If you think, man, this sounds pretty awesome. I want a part of this. Then the ministers will pray with you. They're anointed. They're called by God. They know how to agree in faith. They know how to speak faith-willed words. Come forward. Come into agreement. 
We'll pray with you, whatever need it is, whether it's physical, emotional, relational, relationships, finances, whatever needs you have, come forward, and God has made a way, and will make a way in your life. Amen? Come forward and receive from the Lord. Amen? So with that, you guys are dismissed. Thank you, guys.